Hi, you're listening to A Brit Difficult with August. A Brit Difficult is a podcast aimed at intermediate learners of English, and we focus particularly on British English. We're here to bring you new phrases, new vocabulary, explanations of grammar, and a chance to hear many different voices from all around the UK, both learners and native speakers. Cool. Well, thank you so much for for joining me on um, my little podcast. Um, I wanted to start off just getting a bit of background about uh, about how you learned English, essentially, in your native tongue and just that kind of thing. So the listeners can get a bit of a feel for your experience so far. Yeah, sure. So I'm um, from Romania and um, I came, I'm, I live in Scotland now and I came to Scotland 10 years ago. So um, my accent is a bit of a mix. And the way that I learned English was in Romania, I grew up um, right after the revolution and um, I watched a, a lot of foreign TV. <laughs> so um, a lot of people especially when I moved to Scotland, thought I had a very American accent and they would ask me why. And it's because of American movies. <laughs> so um, they weren't dubbed. They weren't even subtitled. Um, it's just about exposure. Um, so when, uh, when I was young, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I used to actually know quite a lot of languages like Italian and Spanish, just because I immersed myself in it. Um, but uh, the funny thing was that I was very good at making jokes and talking and understanding but I was um, not so good at um, reading and um, and writing mm -hmm. so I made a lot of uh, mistakes and it took me a while to learn um, to do it to do things properly also a lot of times in tv and so on and in culture things aren't done properly if that makes sense you know you might watch a tv show with um characters that are second languages and so on so you don't necessarily learn things proper and then when I went to school I was I, they started teaching me properly and found me an odd student because I already had my own ideas yeah. <laughs> um so I and I didn't really like the very proper English accent I didn't really like the rigid structure because one of the things that attracted me to English was that it was so flexible and expressive so I tended to re resist a little bit, I think. There's yeah. so many interesting things that you said there that I want to branch off on. Um, I think, first of all, the, the, the sub versus dub argument, because depending on where you grew up, outside of the UK or outside of an English-speaking country, uh, I'm thinking of like uh, the many like Spanish friends I have, for example, they grew up with everything being dubbed over in Spanish. And mm. I find less Spanish speakers, at least from Spain, won't have this like American accent that you're talking about. Whereas when I hear people who have grown up places where things are perhaps dubbed in English or they've watched more American content, they do tend to pick up this American twang uh, or this like American uh, accent, so to speak. Um, I wonder if there is this, this influence between like subbed and dubbed um, content. Uh, and how it affects the accent that you pick up when you're trying to learn English, especially from like media, like films or TV, I think. A hundred percent. And so if you want to learn English for business, I don't recommend watching gangster movies, <laughs> you know, because 
it just seeps into your brain. Um, and so I became really good at, you know, these kind of accents. But then when my teacher was expecting me to speak proper English, she found me actually even more difficult because I just kept wanting to resort to my old routine. So it is very important to choose what content you consume and also make it a bit difficult for yourself. Um, when I was young, obviously it wasn't my choice to make it difficult is because the content wasn't made easy for me, but it was really useful that it wasn't because um, I got to challenge myself a little bit and, um, and learn something new. So I really, I, I really love things that aren't dubbed. Honestly, it has stayed with me when I heard that in Romania, they started dubbing children's uh, TV I was really sad because it was an opportunity for people to to learn. Um, and I don't think children, I think children can learn so fast. I think it's just a bit of a pity. So I think I think we should have more of that, more exposure to uh, other languages. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watch everything in like the original language, even if I don't understand it. And I started, even when I'm watching English language content, um, because I'm currently learning French, I'll put the French subtitles on and it's like a weird way to pick up like random vocabulary, uh, especially if you're watching like a show like Queer Eye or something, you just pick up the weirdest vocabulary that you might not even use, but it's, it's fun to know. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, but you mentioned that you struggled with, like reading and writing side of things. Is, is that what you found difficult about learning English or was there other parts of it that I think the most difficult thing was writing, particularly because um, it just wasn't how I was exposed to it. I was so exposed to it, um, listening, right, and, and watching TV. And so when it came to writing, what I noticed was that um, I found it really difficult to not just follow very simple rules. Like, for example, I was uh, I found it funny that I was by the time I was um, 12 or 13, I was already a pretty advanced English speaker. But in terms of writing, I kept making the same mistakes. Like, for example, over, I think it's called regularizing verbs, where I said, said with an Y-E-D instead of I-D. Mm. So I kept doing that again and again and again. And these habits just wouldn't break. I would just not be, because I learned it so intuitively and I guess I just um, found it really difficult to to adapt to that and I think once I reached that age of 12 or 13 I started getting really into reading and that's what really fixed my reading and writing Um, yeah I think that's what it was and it was really helpful because um, I got to just consume uh, books in English uh, and by that time I was confident enough with English that I didn't need like bilingual versions I find that useful. I'm not so confident in the language. I definitely recommend bilingual versions. But at that point, I was pretty confident. So I was reading things. But I, what I found useful was I would write down on a piece of paper any new word. Like I remember I would read like Anna Karenina and I would have this list of like, oh, that's a nice word. So it's about, you know, I, I can't even listen. read that book in English. You know how long it took me to read that book? <laughs> it's such a big book. Um, but <laughs> it's a good one and um but yeah I think one of the biggest things for me was definitely um consuming content in the language that I want to learn and and really taking joy in it like I loved finding a new word or a new expression right and um then I got really into music I think 
you know, it's all about what passions you already have, right? Like um, right now I'm learning Spanish and I really love listening to music in Spanish. Um, so similarly, when I was 13 or something, I got really into music in English and I would read lyrics. And that's, again, another exposure to that. And so I think that's when my reading and writing skyrocketed because I was just consuming so much of that and enjoying it so much that I actually became an even better person at reading and writing and my listening and speaking kind of stalled, right? Because I didn't have people to practice it with, if that makes sense, at my level, right? So that's what's what was interesting about my progression. Yeah, I think people refer to this as the B2 plateau. So for people who are familiar with like CFR framework, so for European languages, B2 is like upper intermediate a lot of people get stuck at that level for a really long time and it takes a long time to bridge the gap to get to like the C level, which is considered equivalent to native. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time and uh, having uh, um, exposure to a lot of contexts um, because some of that is things like technical vocabulary or um, things like phrases or euphemisms or um, just different ways of saying things and getting used to regional things and is is a is a very difficult gap to bridge but I think everybody reaches that point at at some point in their language learning I feel like that's where I am with Spanish right now to be honest um I feel like I'm struggling to get past like this this sort of upper intermediate level um yeah Uh, about that I think one thing that I realized is um that they do that they did in my English language courses is that at one point once you get to higher intermediate they start exposing you to English in different contexts so at the time I didn't quite understand why we were reading a European Union text or some kind of legal text or something but it was actually helpful I now realize the fact that we were seeing English in different contexts and we were picking up the nuances and the meanings um, and the vocabulary and language that's used in these different contexts. So right now, because my Spanish is mostly coming from, you know, uh, music, it's going to be a very specific context and then get kind of lost in the rest. So really what I should, if I were that advanced, maybe for you, it's useful to just go and start diversifying the the things that you you pick up and 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 learn from in Spanish because that's definitely what happened with me in English I started just consuming all kinds of things right just for what for whatever I would do I would turn it into it but in English right so reading Wikipedia but in English you know watching Netflix but in English you know yeah I actually came into Japanese the same way you mentioned Spanish with music um and um, when you talk about lyrics and stuff for English, that's how I, that's literally how I got into Japanese and started to try and yeah. translate lyrics and that kind of thing. But when I went to study at university, it was the same thing as you described. Like they would give us texts about everything from like Japanese history to um, like cultural topics about society, business, things that I probably never actually have cause to, to use in Japan. I was only ever going to be a student there. So I wouldn't have to go working like a Japanese company or all that kind of thing but it was good to get all of that random and really varied vocabulary from different contextual extracts and things that they gave us um so the the this podcast focuses quite heavily on like British English um in all its forms so across the sort of four nations um and for everybody who's in in those nations um 
I have had friends who've learned English in places like Australia or Canada and everybody picks up these little things and quirks and um, they have a little interesting anecdotes about the, the places they've learned English. Um, but do you have anything that you found strange or kind of interesting or funny, especially when you came to the UK, about the way that people speak here, the phrases people have? Uh, certainly being in Scotland, that's a bit different for me being in England, for example. Hmm, that's an interesting thing. So anecdotes about coming to the UK and um, the expressions and such that people use here, is that the question? Yeah, or just just the way that we operate as speakers. I know that like small talk is one that gets brought up a lot because we love to talk about anything that's not the thing that we want to talk about, for example. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny one. I think by the time I came to the UK, I was 20 and I was already a really advanced speaker. I'd done like proficiency tests and so on. So my experience was more cultural about cultural understanding than language understanding so things like really indirect speech um where people wouldn't tell you directly that they think you should do something or that they're upset or anything like that but there would be indirect suggestions and that's a bit harder especially if you have any uh, insecurity about your language is you're not certain whether you're missing out on their meaning because of your um, the fact that you're not a native speaker. Um, so that British cultural aspect kind of can make it difficult and trigger trigger that anxiety, I think. Um, that's one thing that I noticed. And um, in terms of expressions and so on, no, I think it was just about getting used to uh, Scottish dialect. And I really loved it. And um, that's how I got used to it was that I just love listening to people speak in it. But um, getting used to the kind of style of speaking, you know, was very, I don't know, just very, very friendly, very soft, um, quite fast and jovial. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the tendency when speaking is also to be quite humble. I think the worst thing you can do in Scotland is be arrogant. You know, it's things like that, and it does affect your your language, obviously, um, because you don't tend to be a person who's quite boisterous and using really over-the-top language and things like that. So it, it is interesting how it transforms how you speak um, in that way. But, uh, yeah, I hope that's useful. Yeah, even for people in England who speak English, uh, when they do these like surveys about what are the friendliest accents, like it's very funny because a lot of non-native speakers aim to get this like um, the so-called Queen's English, this like English that's taught uh, abroad and in English schools. But every single time they do these surveys, but the nicest accent or the most friendly accent, it's constantly places like Scotland, Ireland, uh, northern parts of England, like Newcastle or um, cities that are in Yorkshire for example um, it's all of these regional accents that people don't have access to or haven't heard before because they focus very heavily on this correct way of speaking English which only a very small part of the country actually speaks um, yeah. so I, th- I think that yeah a lot not everybody's going to come to the UK and, and live in London for example so you do need to get used to these accents and you will pick up like strange phrases or strange ways of doing things and also like you said the culture of the people that that are living there as well um 
I think it does vary from place to place uh, across the UK. Yeah, and I think the main lesson from there is to not worry too much about learning a specific um, dialect, but being mm-hmm. able to be flexible and understand. And the fact, you know, if you expose yourself to different um, accents and dialects, then that can be really useful for a person to just be able to to get along and understand um, so many different people. Um, and in the end, what my approach is to just pick up what I like. So if I like something um, that is maybe in London Cockney accent, then I'm just going to pick it up <laughs> for fun, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's about what you like. I really liked watching these videos on YouTube where people do accents in, uh, from different parts of the UK and mm-hmm. just, hmm, I wonder which one I'm going to like. And unsurprisingly, I really, uh, the one I like the most is the Scottish one. So <laughs> it's not a surprise that I like being here. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's about everything we, we were going to cover. Was there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, no, I think the, well, the last thing is um, I do try to help from time to time people with um, English language learning and I try to give advice. Um, and I think the most useful advice I've been told that I've given is um, f- follow your passion, even with language learning, where don't, don't make it a chore, make it something that's fun. So if you can think of something that you like anyway, um, but do it, do it in English, it can be really useful. So people often associate learning something new with like a chore and homework and, and so on. But I think the most successful learners I've seen are ones that went, you know, I really like watching films and then helping them figure out how can you do it in a way that improves your language learning. So follow your passion. <laughs> That's my advice. That's how I have, well, that's how I've come to terms with how much time I waste on Instagram because everything I have on there is now in Spanish. I I change the the interface of my social media. So at least when I'm wasting my time scrolling, I'm still learning something. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Appreciate it.